is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. G'day and welcome to Boarding Pass 88, operating on August 2nd, 2021. This is Doug and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Drew, I'm back with my mic. I'm back in Studio C, the closet. How was, <laughs> yeah, the closet. How was your week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got great sound installation. Yeah, you, you sound much better because it sounded a little echoey the last few times. Kind of crazy week. I was in that training class for two days, eight yeah. hours in a training class. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so boring. But then I'm thinking that is two days out of the crazy operation where I can sit down and someone else can do the dog and pony show for, <laughs> for a change and I can judge them. <laughs> no, but you know, it's not my first rodeo. I've been in airline management forever, but I will tell you, it's always good to have a refresher to re-energize you. And my takeaway from this training is don't try and solve everyone's problem, mm -hmm. right? So instead of um, them having a problem and me saying, all right, this is what you need to do. I'm supposed to step back and say, all right, so what are some thoughts you have, even though I'm like itching to tell them? <laughs> yeah. How, yeah how, often, how often do you have to do that? So we have that, you know, this airline is really good about constantly refreshing our training. So I would say every two years, we'll have something like that. Okay. Is that a mandatory or a, a voluntary thing? Oh, well, we're management, so we get voluntold. Okay. And I don't say it's mandatory, but it's the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was nice to, you know, during the busiest time to take us out of the operation. And thankfully, it was a quiet week. Mm -hmm. So if uh, the you know, airport was closed for thunderstorms or, you know, whatever is going on, I may have been drug out and you know sad to say my cs counterpart was told after the class was over that they would have to help in the operation oh so after class i went they went it, oh wow okay <laughs> man no no, no no rest for the weary i know it's like oh my goodness i'm so sorry but i gotta tell you something else about helping in the operation you know we i work at an airport and it really is a community and when someone needs help we don't worry about alliance or partner or express carrier. We just yeah. do what we can to help. Right. And yesterday I sent you the pictures. We had um, an airline that's not our partner, um, a high quality airline from the Middle East. It's gray and purple. You guys can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so they um, they didn't have a push tug to move their plane from a remote spot to the gate. So they're they're scrambling. They need help. So they're calling the airport. One of their people called me. And of course, I'm always looking to help because that could be us mm -hmm. one day. That yeah. could be me. It's like, I need an air start unit. I need a power unit. You know, you never know. This is an A350, which we don't fly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I went to our move team. It's like, I need your help. So these guys need to move their plane to the gate. I want to help them out. Can you guys move an A350? And the move team's like, no, we've never moved an A350. It's like, okay. Let's see. So I YouTube, youtube.com, <laughs> yeah. how to move an A350. Moving A3, <laughs> basically. No, but I told them, hey, listen, we'll have their maintenance there. And, you know, these new tugs, I, I don't know if you've seen them, but they actually lift the mm -hmm. nose wheel up. Yeah, that's that's a, I, I feel like that's a very European thing. You, yeah, you see that in Frankfurt, Amsterdam, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The Europeans, it's a German, a German or Dutch company, Goldhofer, which created the first one. Okay. Yeah. That and makes sense. One, 
you, the one we use is the, is the Douglas. And what's awesome, Doug, is you don't need a custom tow bar for whichever aircraft because mm -hmm. you just it just lifts it up. No, yeah. right. Yeah. But then we have to consider on the A350, how do you set the brake? How do you release it? How do you um, take the nose pin out? Right. Mm -hmm. So we had the airlines mechanics there. So we we work with them. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, my guy, Jim, on the move team. He's like our Joe Petroni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but this is what's awesome. They could very easily say, no, we're not trained. We don't want to do it. But no, they're like, you know what? If maintenance, if their maintenance is there, we'll go yeah. out there. And I'm like, I'm going out there with you. So we'll make sure it's safe. So I talked to uh, that airline station manager. Hey, we're going to move this. You're good. They had their mechanic. Their mechanics were actually from British Airways. They were contracted. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went up there and they were kind of impressed that we we showed up just out of the blue to help them. Well, it's a it's a challenge, right? You're, you're, we you're love giving, it. Yeah. You're given that challenge and you're like, well, let's figure out how to do it. it you know, it's it's not just helping out someone else. It's like. You, if you had gone home last night and that airplane had still been sitting there, you would have felt really bad about it. But you, figured, yeah. you figured out a way to get it done. You helped the other airline. And it was it was a cool experience. And now those people, that move team, they moved to 350. So if it happens again, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we did it a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it is. It, it yeah, really it was wasn't that difficult. It really wasn't. And the British Airways mechanics even said that was the smoothest tow we've ever had. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I got that plane because that flight could have canceled if they can't move it to the. Well, actually, no, I take that back. So at my airport, we have these mobile lounges. So yeah, they, they could have remoted out. Right. But then you'd also have to bring the cargo pushback. loaders. Well, and, and the and the pushback, too. I, I mean, at, at some the point, they would have had to to move the airplane. Well, now they could have pushed it back because they had a tug that could do the pushback. But oh, not but not the tow. It. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it turned out well. And uh, so if I need anything, I'm going to call this airline. Be like, I need your help now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's payback time. All right, Doug, how was your week? My week. All right. Well, I, I played around on uh, GarageBand, which is what I use to edit the uh, the episodes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Because there, there's going to be some profanity in what I say oh, next, no. <laughs> and we we try and keep it clean. We we try and keep it clean. As <laughs> as you know, as listeners know, I was assigned to the 737, which we call the Guppy. But I learned in training this week that there are a couple other names that people <laughs> refer to this airplane as. The, the the first one is fluff and that stands for it just sounds so sweet that stand well, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna try this so i'll do one uh family friendly <laughs> okay and then one not just in case i can't figure out the the bleeping yeah. situation but it stands for fat little ugly <laughs> <laughs> or, or um th this is the family friendly one fat uh -huh. little ugly fellow okay that that's yeah, sweet it's, yeah it's that's sweet yeah lovable and then um, the the other one, which I absolutely love, uh, my instructor walks in like first minute of class goes, all right, introduction. So I've been on the whistling can for a little over a year. <laughs> we all just and looked, we all just looked around and lost it. It's now, like, is that just his word or is that also a term that's I, I don't I, I don't know. But now we're using it. We have a group text of all the, the 737 people who are in my in-doc class and, and we're calling calling it that, too. No, you're yeah. going to be doing it. Is one of your flights on the jump seat on this plane? So you mm -hmm. can be okay. So you'll be able to verify if yeah. it's a whistling. Yeah, can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, can I say I, I am uh, kind of relieved that they are, you know, 
not as starchy as I expected in training that they can say these things and yeah. not offend anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, after after she said that, she's like, okay, hopefully you guys are okay with swearing because I just did. But <laughs> yeah. it, Doug, it used to be so bad. It was that's just the way we spoke in the office. And yeah, I would say like five years ago, it's like, wait, we can't we can't talk like that. It's offending people. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was funny. Um, but yeah, I, I'm back in California now. I finished up. Uh, that portion of training earlier this week flew on my first max on the way home okay so tell me about this super quiet and you were sitting right next to the engine. i was sitting right next to the engine very quiet yeah i, I would say it's not as quiet as the a220 because i was on mm -hmm. an a220 on sunday and i got to right. thinking about that I, I think it's because the engines on the a220 are a little bit smaller even though yeah. it's a new engine, a more efficient engine, it still has more power, more thrust. And that's why it's a little bit louder on the max. The max. Yeah. Now, Doug, other than that, I really couldn't, I couldn't see any difference between the max and the 900. The 900. Okay. Mm -mm. No. It was the Boeing uh, that, sky. The sky interior. interior. Yeah. Very nice. Um, no, no seatback screens, but I, I know that those are, uh, those are coming in the next couple yeah. of years, but yeah, very, very quiet, very comfortable, very nice cabin. They had all the, the different mood light settings and everything. It was a sunset into an evening flight. And so they changed the the light and everything throughout right. the throughout the flight. Yeah. But you had nice pictures and I, I think you had to like uh, wrench your back to take those pictures because you had a little bit of an AvGeek fail on your seat selection. I did. And I looked on uh, Seat Guru and it didn't mm -hmm. say anything about my seat. Huh. So I'm I'm gonna have to write them. Uh, my my buddy was in the row ahead of me, and he didn't have a single window. Yeah. <laughs> so both both of us here, we, we've got two pilots who now fly this airplane, and we both picked window seats. Window quotes. seats. Yeah, quotes. where where basically wall. we had one window that we shared between the two of us. It was like in between our seats. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're booking a seat on, you know, and I'm sure it's similar to yeah for any airline that has the 900 rows 10 11 and 12 I'm, are tricky some yeah of them i'm pulling have, pulling up my okay so i was in 12a and okay. i i had one window like right at the seat ahead of me right my buddy was in 11a so one row ahead of me he had no windows across the aisle 11 what is that f i guess was okay mm -hmm. 11f had a window so weird but 12f was just like my seat so avoid uh, what is that? 11A, 12A, and 12F if you're on now, a, a MAX 9 or a 737-900. I mean, we're going to come back to this topic at the end, but would you take... So that was a legroom seat, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So given that choice, or where your friend was sitting, where there's no window, legroom, or would you want a regular row with a regular window? I would want a regular row with a regular okay, window. Okay. Yeah. Whew. All right. Good answer. Yeah. Well, we, like you said, that's one of our topics. And <laughs> I, I will caveat that by it depends on what airline it's on. What? Why would we'll, that? We'll, we'll get into why when, when, when we when we get to that point. This is going to be a fake fight for sure. I, I can, <laughs> it might be a real fight, especially if we're on the same plane. No, I, I think you'll agree with my with my reasoning when we get there. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Something that happened yesterday too is i'm not going to be on the guppy or the fluff for much <laughs> much longer and i haven't even started we are we were all about the 737 and you sent a picture with a sticker with the 737 and a triple seven and i photoshopped it i crossed out the 737 and i said we're moving on <laughs> do you it's it's crazy we always say in this industry that it's it's all about luck and timing 
right? You know, if, if I had, if I had tried, if I'd graduated college and tried to get into this industry in 2001, 2002, I would have mm -hmm. been unemployed or not necessarily unemployed, but flying for a corporate company or being a CFI, things like that, because the airlines didn't hire for a decade. And then yeah. the 2010s, they hired like crazy and then COVID happened, whatever. I, mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about how I started basically the, the day that I started leave my, my separation leave from the air force was the day yeah. that I went to indock this airline one week into being at this airline they had what's called a vacancy bid, mm -hmm. which is where they open up a lot of new positions in different airplanes, just based on retirements, based on planes coming back from storage, storage. all of that. So I was able to put in for a triple seven. And that's true. I got it. I, <laughs> I, I got the award yesterday. So I'm going to be moving that up to crazy. a triple seven. Uh, yeah. Could you have ever imagined, no. I mean, how things played out that you would be on a trip, not only getting a dream job at the airlines, but your first assignment is going to be on a triple seven. Yeah. Now you said you might be reserved for a while, but that's uh, yeah, I definitely spend will. more time with the family. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, and I don't know yet if I'm going to have to go through and complete guppy training. We'll, We'll find that out here in the next week or two. Um, but you know, in a weird way, I'm a little bit disappointed because I was like imagining like short hops all over the place, you know. But now you're going to be sitting on the same plane for what 12, 13 hours. You have a lot of time. Well, you may have time to work on the podcast. I don't know. Well, no, when you're in your crew bunk. Yeah, in the crew bunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually just downloaded an app. I, I was doing some research this morning and I'm I'm sure this is more of a captain thing who deals with this, but it's called rest break. Uh, what is this rest break optimize so if okay. you have so you put in the route of flight mm -hmm. you put in how many pilots you have mm -hmm. and then it tells you what the optimal rest work cycle is for those pilots okay for the relief pilots based on circadian rhythm all that kind of stuff so well, yeah. a lot of new technology that i need to play around with and learn but so i found when you focus on sleeping so specifically you get no sleep yeah exactly <laughs> but but this is going to be amazing because on a 12-hour flight i will have four pilots now whereas awesome. on on the kc10 on a 12-hour flight i have two pilots are you serious yeah oh my goodness so, so you guys I'm, are constantly nudging each other you wake you wake yeah, Marissa was asking me if if going to this airplane means that I'm going to be tired when I get home, like I am on my KC10 trips. And I said, mm -hmm. no, not really, because I'm going to have twice as many pilots that I'm flying with. Right. So I'm going to be doing doing half of half right. of the flying as opposed to all of it, like I had now, been doing. Now, let me ask you a question: Are you allowed to take sleep aids? Like, um, what's the Zquil? There, uh, yes and no. Uh, within like 24 hours of reporting for duty no no got mm -mm. okay okay no. so then no no so it's it's oh, got to be all all natural yeah mm -hmm. so you can have some what chamomile tea or have some you know a big turkey sandwich i, I don't know what, yeah what yeah some, something with with tryptophan tryptophan right yeah yeah <laughs> all right well we have a new segment that we want to introduce and what did you call it Drew? i think it was checking to see if you were listening yep this is the segment of the show where we get fact checked by our listeners we're human we're prone to make mistakes we're just glad you're actually listening so shout out to a couple of listeners matt and joe for catching this one yeah good job because did you realize it when i said it because I, I was, didn't at all. No, thinking back on it, I was like, did did I hear him say that live? And no, I didn't. I, I heard it as I was editing, but I couldn't edit it out cleanly. 
Yeah. So we were talking about uh, Piedmont Airlines and their history and how I remember them from the 80s and watching them land at SFO. And I said, um, yeah, I remember seeing their 767 400s and then they, they changed to 767 200s. What I meant to say was 737 400. So thanks to Matt, who uh, gave us a lot of material for that last show, he caught it. And at first I'm like, no, I didn't say that. And then <laughs> you confirmed that I did. Yeah. Well, who, my, 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 buddy, my buddy Joe, who's a uh, United pilot, who's a listener, sent me a, a message and was like, yeah, I don't think they had 400s in, until the late 90s, early 2000s, he said. And <laughs> he gave me this whole rundown. He said, yeah, mm-hmm. Delta and United were the only two who ordered it. Like he, he gave me the, right, the, that's the awesome. fact sheet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. I, we love the feedback, even when we make a mistake, because that means you guys are listening and you, you're keeping us honest. So thank you, Matt and Joe and whomever else heard that. So sorry about that mistake. But in all seriousness, we're, we're generally accurate regarding our content, or we're usually accurate. Not even generally. I would say almost all the time. Almost all the time. Mm -hmm. We do a massive amount of fact checking before we record each week. Like if we have a news source or if we get our information from a blog, we will cross check that with other sources Mm -hmm. just to make sure that it's true. But that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes in in the moment, especially when we often record before the first Starbucks employee in our respective time zone even wakes up for work, which is the case for you right (laughs) now. Right now for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Only Doug is awake in his neighborhood as we speak, probably. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you hear something uh, that we say is incorrect. We do take pride in being factually accurate. The more you point out, the more fodder Doug and I have to laugh at each other be- between episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, here's another laugh for you, Drew. I know that last August seems like a lifetime ago, but do you remember Jetpack Man that we talked about? I do. He keeps coming back. I wonder if it's the same person. I, I, it's got to be. According to CNN, he is back. Apparently, this mysterious and illegal man in a jetpack near LEX reemerged this week. Use caution. The jet man is back, ATC said on a recent transmission. The FAA announced that a 747 pilot reported seeing what resembled a man in a jetpack on Wednesday at an altitude of 5,000 feet, about 15 miles from the airport. This is, the, this is a good one. Another ATC transmission was reported as saying, Skywest 3626, did you see the UFO? And the pilot responded, we were looking, but we didn't see Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man. You know, that's <laughs> interesting you said that, because that's what I always think. It yeah, like. yeah. Tony Stark is is out there <laughs> just messing around. <laughs> so now, so that's the second, but there, I looked into it. There was a, a third incident. Oh, really? Before. Okay. The second was actually October 14th. So this one, the first one was in August, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the pilots said, only in L.A., right? Yeah, Remember? yeah. Um, so then there's October 14th, China Airlines, also LAX. Okay. They huh. saw uh, what looked like someone in a jetpack. Six, uh, was it 6,000 feet? Hmm. Yeah, 6,000 feet. <laughs> Is that even? I, I mean, seven miles from LAX. So these guys, I don't know. You know. So if you're thinking, so I looked into what are the guidelines for people with jetpacks, just in yeah. case one of our listeners is thinking about doing this stunt. <laughs> yeah. So the FAA does have some regulations. For jetpacks? Not specifically for jetpacks. So they're saying in the interim, use the same rules as for drones. Okay. Huh. Okay. All right. So if you guys are thinking about it, make sure you follow these rules. And especially this dude that's constantly showing up on the LAX approach path. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you need to be registered with the FAA for if for any vehicles 
uh, weighing more than 8.8 ounces. So this would Mm -hmm. apply to Iron Man here. Yeah. What are we calling? What are we calling this guy? Uh, Iron Man. I I like it. Yeah. Yeah. LAX Iron Man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can only operate during daylight hours. So that's fine. Good job. (laughs) Because it's always daylight, right? Uh, Flying at or below 400 feet above the ground. So this is always thousands of feet. So, you know, he would have been cited for that. Mm hmm. Um, avoiding restricted airspace, which um, uh, such as near airports and flying near other aircraft. So definitely not, not legal and not flying under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So if you follow those, you can be Iron Man. Yeah, you can be Jet. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Jetman is the reason behind our first news story this week. Doug, what do we have? Yeah, this is from CBS News, but it's been reported a lot of places. Pilots asked to conserve as Western airports run low on jet fuel. A jet fuel shortage is disrupting flights in the Western United States. And I I believe you pointed out, too, that it's drivers as well. Drivers. Yeah, I have some more info on that. Yeah. Supply chain disruptions and demand from airlines and firefighting units are hitting passenger and cargo flights where it hurts jet fuel. American Airlines told its pilots to conserve fuel and that delivery delays in small and mid-sized airports such as Reno and Fresno could continue through mid-August. Airlines are now tankering what they call tankering fuel into Western outstations meaning they're carrying enough fuel, if possible, for both the flight to the destination and back to the hub if the planes can hold enough for both flights. If not, they risk having to drop into refueling airfields along the route of flight, adding time and costs to the schedule. To be clear, further failure to secure adequate fuel supplies is unacceptable, said Nevada Governor Steve Sizalak. Demand for jet fuel is up 29% from the beginning of the year and up 49% from the same week last year. The supply shortages mirror shortages in other industries that were caught off guard by the rapid return to travel and other economic activity that began earlier this spring. Drew, this is crazy. No, I, no crazy. one saw this coming. No, I mean, you forget to realize when the big wheels start turning, which is the car companies and the airlines, mm-hmm. there's a lot of smaller wheels that also need to turn. And sometimes we just assume that everyone's going to be back on track. Supply chain management. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know, it's it's like if Boeing all of a sudden after years of saying we're going to make eight maxes a month, mm-hmm. if out of nowhere, they're like, hey, we're going to make 12 next month, their supply chain won't be able to keep up with it. That's why Boeing right. and Airbus say, hey, starting in 2023, two years from now, we're going to increase or decrease the amount of airplanes that we make per month. That gives the supply chain a couple of years to a ramp up, to ramp up this massive ramp up in flights airplanes coming back from the desert people flying traveling plus the fires plus now car rentals and like there's a huge strain that the i I guess i would call it the oil and gas industry wasn't prepared for because during the pandemic to keep the prices relatively high they slashed production slashed um moving the fuel around to to where it needs to be right and that led to this yeah, I want to talk about tankering um, just real quick before we get to uh, the supply chain problems. So uh, a lot of airlines, including mine, are, are tankering fuel mm-hmm. to the West Coast Yeah, uh, because of the situation. So when you think about it now, before I before I go on, what is the maximum landing weight? Like how how much fuel can you land with on a DC-10 safely? Like if you were tankering fuel, is it 60,000, 70,000? How, how many? Our our maximum uh, on the DC ten our max landing weight is four hundred thirty six thousand pounds, and a, a, an empty airplane weighs two hundred fifty thousand pounds. Okay, 
So with crew, I, I mean, assuming that we don't have cargo because cargo eats into our fuel capability. Right. So assuming that we don't have cargo, assuming it's just a positioning leg, we could land with over a hundred. What is that? Like 180, almost 190,000 pounds of gas. Oh, so you could. Okay. So this is a great example. So the DC 10 can fly. So the DC 10, DC 10 is a bad example. So let's use a 767. Yeah. Okay. So a 767, you can put like 120,000 pounds of fuel on it. Mm -hmm. Right. We can have, um, you can have 60,000 pounds on it land land with 60,000 pounds. So we can't really have more than that mm -hmm. as far as the landing weight, but you could conceivably do two trips. You could do two transcon trips with the same, with a maximum fuel load and still, you'll still be okay. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm talking to uh, a friend of corporate and asking him, are we doing that? Are we doing like whole round trips, mm -hmm. you know, with just one fuel load? I, I believe you could. Yeah. It depends on the landing weight. Now, some we also have 787s and 777s doing transcons, right? Mm -hmm. Those planes can fly for 13 hours. So could those do almost three segments with the same fuel load? Probably. Maybe, yeah, it comes down, comes down to the landing weight and, and probably the, the distance of the flight too. Like mm -hmm. a, a flight from Phoenix to Reno. Let, let's take American at 737 from Phoenix to Reno. They, they easily could have enough gas to tanker in and not have to refuel right. in reno but a 737 from charlotte to reno probably not they they probably would would bring as much as they could with them and then put like a, a little bit of a splash uh top off on in reno right. when they get there but yeah i mean american was saying that some of their flights may end up having to drop in and gas up somewhere like lubbock or amarillo or you know some Oklahoma City, somewhere along the way that's not having a, a shortage. Yeah, we used to do that, not for fuel shortages, but because of uh, winds going to the West Coast. So mm -hmm. some of our Transcon 737s would couldn't, stop. Couldn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. So we would do St. Louis, we'd do Kansas City. And, you know, for someone who's making a connection to SFO, that's a problem. But for uh, an av geek like me who's just going to see my mom and I'm not in a rush, I'm like, yeah. Awesome. I get a landing in Kansas City yeah. for free. Well, I mean, uh, this wasn't for fuel, but that was like my dad yesterday. Mm -hmm. He was flying yeah. Salt Lake to Denver. Denver was closed because of thunderstorms mm -hmm. and they they had to divert to Colorado Springs. He, I don't know if he's this much of an av geek, but do, do you, does he remember if they were fueled up at Colorado Springs? Uh, he didn't say. I, yeah. They might have been. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but inter awesome. interestingly enough, because Colorado Springs is only like an hour south of Denver, they actually went to the terminal. Mm -hmm. They allowed people to get off the plane right. permanently in the Springs. And they said, your luggage will go to Denver, but we'll ship it for free to wherever you want it. Just let us know. He yep. would have done it, but his car was in Denver. But yeah, I mean, it's summer. <laughs> it's summer. Like we're having a gas problem. We're having thunderstorms mm -hmm. all over the place. Like we, this wouldn't have happened last year because there, yeah. there just wasn't the traffic. But like right. people, people are complaining right now, but they forget that this is what 2019 was like. 2018, like we we're back to yeah. normal. Yeah, we we're literally we, back to normal. Yeah, we got spoiled last year. But listen, we're we're back to normal. But it's taking the departments and some airlines some time to catch up, right? Mm -hmm. So some airlines made a gamble. They made a bet that it would come back and they kept the pilots on the payroll so they could be at the ready to fly flights. And those airlines, those companies are doing better. Mm -hmm. So 
the biggest issue that I'm seeing with this tanker, with the with the fuel shortages, is that they're they're short tanker drivers. So what's going on is it it takes so a lot of people were let go because they probably thought COVID nineteen would last. So now they have less drivers. So apparently, just like a pilot, they need certification. So hmm. apparently, it takes months to get certified to be a tanker fuel tanker driver. Huh. So that's one of the problems they're dealing with. And then you live out in the West. So they're saying in the West, these refineries could be like 200 to 400 miles away from the airports. Hmm. They, they're temporarily increasing the hours that the tanker drivers can are drive. allowed to. Oh, wow. Are allowed to drive. And uh, what else is, go- oh, this is another, so this is from Mark Haynes. He's the VP of Av Fuel. It's a fuel refining company. He said he has not seen it this bad in 38 years. Wow. That's how bad it is. And the other thing that I didn't think of is you guys have been having 100 plus degree days mm-hmm. in the West. On, in the West mm-hmm. And apparently the refineries can't operate in those heat, in that high heat. Oh, it's so too hot. Slows, Interesting. Slows it down. Huh. And then one more thing, you know, it's not just the airlines, these um, a- aircraft that are the firefighting, the tankers, mm-hmm. the, you know, the um, air tankers, there's 375 of them in the U.S., so they're being affected too. So it, it's affecting our firefighting ability. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully they can resolve this. I mean, it seems like the main thing is getting these drivers certified to move the fuel. All right. So let's uh, get to a uh, good news story. This is from Reuters. German airline Condor to acquire Airbus A330 Neo jets. German leisure airline Condor, which somehow survived after Thomas Cook folded in 2019. Um, and they were part of the Thomas Cook. They were part. Company. Yeah. It, it was a weird setup. They were owned by the parent company, but I think they were still independent. I, I right, and they maintained I, I, their yeah, logo. I can't, and... can't remember exactly how they skated by, but yeah, yeah. And so, just some background: Condor used to be the leisure arm of Lufthansa. I don't mm-hmm. know if Lufthansa owns them. I think they're separate now. Yeah, we'll have to well, look into that. Yeah, yeah. Condor announced a plan to replace its aging 767s with 16 A330 Neos. The first aircraft is expected to enter the fleet in autumn 2022 while the entire replacement of its long-haul fleet will be complete in 2024. The new deal is, is a hit to Boeing, Doug. That's, it's been trailing Airbus in all areas for several years in both orders and deliveries. The airplane order is for 16 whitetail, whitetail jets, which were previously ordered by other airlines but have since been canceled. Several of the tails, tails were originally ordered by Garuda Indonesia and Air Asia X, and we all know, you know, how um, international travel has declined out of Asia, at least right now. <laughs> what do you think? Doug? This is big. Uh, I, I mean, really, the, part of the reason why we talk about how they survived after Thomas Cook folded was because Thomas Cook was a leisure carrier, Condor is leisure. And what have we talked about? Leisure is, is what is around in the industry right now, for the most part, not a lot of business travel. But this is only 16 airplanes. I say only. That's not a lot. That's not like United's 270 airplane order a couple of weeks ago or Southwest 200 airplane order. Right. But the fact of the matter is this airline is ordering long haul airplanes with the assumption that they'll be used in autumn next year. 2022, that's what we're talking about for international travel, hopefully beginning to make a modest recovery. So that this is another sign that someone on the other side of the pond, that a European carrier is saying, hey, by next fall, we think that we're going to start to need these airplanes again. So yeah. it's it's a good sign. Yeah, when I read this, um, my instant reaction was, phew, 
Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Because they're no, no, but not for the reason you think. I was glad that they didn't order the A321 XLR. Oh. <laughs> I was like, thank goodness well, we got some wide bodies. That's a great point because the A330 Neo has been struggling with with getting orders. So this is big for Airbus too. Yeah, no, it really is, and it's um, it's a, a huge improvement over the 67. Now, can we just say so the 67 300, 767 300? This is a 25 to 30 year old technology aircraft. That's you know now it's it's still competing with these A330s in mm-hmm. some markets, right? Yeah, we're gonna be flying one probably next week. Right, and it's going to look like new inside. But anyway, I thought I'd um, get a comparison of the 767 and the A330 Neo mm-hmm. just to see what uh, this airline can expect with the change. So I found this website. It's called AviatorJoe.net, and he does all these comparisons, which huh. really saves us a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> and I did double check, you know, a few of his stats just to make sure that uh, it's correct, and and he is. So thank you, uh, Aviator Joe. So real quick on the 767. 218 passengers on average, mm-hmm. and they're going to be going to 287 passengers. So that's a 30% increase. 767 flies at Mach 0.80, mm-hmm. uh, A330 Mach 0.86, so a little bit okay. faster. Yeah. And the range of the 67 is uh, 6,100 nautical miles. The A330 is 6,550, so a little increase in range. So they're going to get uh, some good benefits from this larger, more efficient plane. Yeah, that points out chasm right? We talk about cost per available seat mile and, mm-hmm. and ultimately it comes down to the fact that Condor will be able to fly an extra, what'd you say, like 70 people, 60 people yeah. with, with the same uh, crew cost. Maybe they'll have to put an extra flight attendant or two on, but the marginal gain that they'll get from those extra 60 or 70 passengers will far outweigh the amount that they're going to have to pay the extra crew. Not to mention the 330 Neo is what 20% more efficient, 18% more efficient, something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. than the 767, meaning they're going to burn less gas. So their right. their expenses are going to be lower and they're going to be able to get more people on the airplane. So it's a win-win for Condor going in this direction. Right. Now the A330 normal configuration in economy is 242. And let's see what they do because some airlines are squeezing nine across in there. I know. It's like, how thin is that seat? You know, I can't imagine. It's probably like 16 inches. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see where they go. But um, yeah, good on Condor for uh, staying with wide bodies. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Another one for Airbus, this is from Reuters, Airbus challenges Boeing cargo dominance with A350 freighter. Airbus announced plans to launch a freighter version of its popular A350, taking aim at Boeing, who has long dominated the cargo market. The European manufacturer has led Boeing in recent years with regards to passenger aircraft, but has severely trailed Boeing when it comes to freighters. The the Airbus board said it backed an A350 freighter scheduled to enter service in 2025, but didn't announce names of customers. We believe we have a very promising aircraft, Airbus CEO said. Boeing has owned the cargo market for decades with its purpose-built and retrofitted 747s, 757s, 767s, and 777s. And I forgot to add the 737 in there. Right, that's doing freighter. Yeah, it's doing freighter, freighter now. Yeah, not mm-hmm. not new build, but they're retrofitting uh, 737s. Amazon mm-hmm. has right. several, yeah, primary. I think, primary DHL, I think, has some. Mm-hmm. Airbus has yet to crack the cargo market in any substantial way. If successful, the A350 freighter would be the world's first carbon composite freighter aircraft. The A350 freighter is expected to carry 109 tons of cargo compared to 115 to 117 tons 
for the 777X freighter, which has yet to enter service. Yeah, you know, this is interesting. Um, but I really wonder what the demand is, Doug, because I'm hearing about these cargo airlines snapping up planes out of the desert that the mm -hmm. airlines aren't using. And there's so many out there that they can probably have for next to nothing. Yeah, I, I think a problem with that, though, is the conversion. Uh, I was I was reading something about it because when mm -hmm. Delta retired their 18 777s last fall, a lot of people were, were saying, oh, these are going to get snapped up really quickly by cargo airlines. Yeah. But there are only a couple of places in the world that actually are certified to transition them to cargo. I think Israel, uh, a, a place Hong in Israel, Kong. Hong, Hong Kong, I think a place in Mexico mm. does it as well, where they, okay. they cover up the windows, cut a, a hole in the side, put the door on. But I guess the backlog for that is really long too. So it almost will be as quick to just get a new build freighter as it would be to retrofit some of these older airplanes. And you're going to get the fuel efficiency because fuel is starting mm -hmm. to get expensive again. Yeah. But it's hard for me to, to imagine Airbus aircraft as freighters because I mm -hmm. see them as civilian, you know, as airline type. But then, you know, you think about it, the A330, mm -hmm. FedEx is flying them. I see DHL flying them. No, the right? A300s. A300s. Yeah. A300s, 600s. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I could see it. I guess they have to strengthen the floors and the sidewalls probably you know, to make it more rugged. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, and uh, we talked about the A330 offline in, in our group text uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago about the, because the 330 has a little bit of a tilt down because yeah. the, the nose yes. wheel. So they actually had to put a weird looking hump on the bottom to get the cabin to be flat so that they could load it easier. Yeah. So that's another problem that Airbus has to deal with. But yeah, it's it'll it'll be interesting to see if in ten years now all of a sudden we've got a lot of Airbus freighters hopping around. Yeah, A three fifty. That's going to be such a versatile aircraft for them if they could do if they could make that work. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have two topics in our VIP lounge segment today. The first was a question posed by Reggie, one of our listeners from the very beginning, way back in the pre Rona days, if you can remember that far. I also think we discussed this very early on in the podcast, but we think it's worth revisiting. United this week announced that upgrade eligible customers will be able to opt out of middle seat upgrades, matching a move Delta made a few years ago. He asked us, and then we asked the listeners, would you give up your window or aisle for a middle seat and a better class of service? Drew, let's let's cover the results and then we can talk about comments and then we can get into our fake fight. <laughs> All right. So would you give up your window or aisle seat for a middle seat in a better class of service? And the listeners said only 5% said yes. 37% said no. 55% said it depends. 3% what's, what's an upgrade? That's my Greg. <laughs> <laughs> this was, you know, when I think about this, Doug, I don't think we worded this very well because when you say a better class of service, what were you envisioning? Were you envisioning like leg, the legroom class or a different cabin, like business class? So this is what I was saying, that it depends on the airline that you're on. Because, it's, for instance, American and Delta, their extra legroom seats also come with free drinks. So does Alaska. United's, okay. United's extra legroom seats do not. Okay. So 
that that probably weighs into people's i know but people are thinking you're moving from economy to business which makes a big difference yeah but and and this is this this is where like this could lead into a whole different discussion about what do we call that intermediate product that's not yeah. quite premium economy right it's... but it's not it's not economy also but at some airlines all it is is extra legroom seats so there, there's this whole like segmented portion of the market I would say. So let me understand. So Alaska, Delta, and American also, mm -hmm. they offer uh, cocktails. Cocktails. You move into that row. When you move into that row. Yeah. So it's not premium economy. So it is the extra legroom seats, which come with a little added benefit. A little added benefit. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So what's your answer? It depends. It depends. That was mm -hmm. mine too. Yeah. I'm glad. I wonder how it would look. So, would the app on United tell you, "Hey, you've been upgraded. It is a middle seat." Do you, you know, probably yeah, do you like accept? something to say? I'm not sure. We'll we'll have to play around with it. Here's another another area where I say it depends. Airplanes, so wide bodies that are configured with premium economy seats, right? So you've got the the lay flat business. You've got but let's take let's take Delta from Atlanta to Salt Lake on an A350. You've mm -hmm. got the lay flat Delta one, mm -hmm. you've got two, four, two in premium economy, which are basically domestic first class seats, right? Then you've got the extra legroom seats, the Delta comfort plus, and then you've got economy on domestic flights. Delta treats that premium economy cabin as mm -hmm. comfort plus just the extra legroom seats. Okay, got it. They sell so, the same product. Yeah, so so let's say you're in economy, a window or aisle in economy, and you can take a middle seat in premium economy, which is a domestic first class seat. Wider seat, extra legroom, comes with a drink. Yeah, I, I would do it. Oh, yeah, in, I would do it. In a situation like that, yeah. All right, so let me tell you the situation where I would change and where I would not. Okay. So if I'm on united or a carrier where there's no uh free cocktails mm -hmm. in those seats if i had a window seat and i'm upgraded to a middle seat with a little bit extra legroom i would just stay in the window seat because i feel like the legroom on that airline is is fine in yeah. any row mm -hmm. I, I mean sure you might get like what is it two more inches two more inches yeah yeah and that's nice but i would not give up a window for that now, as you said, if it was a premium economy, which is sold as economy plus because they don't offer that product, Transcon or whatever, mm -hmm. would I take a middle seat in premium economy over my, my window seat? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then if it was business class, is like officially a different cabin with a different service, no brainer, I would take it. Yeah. Now, what would you do? Same. But wait, no, would you, what, but would you move if there's no cocktail, cocktails? No, no I, I, absolutely not. I no. think you said the last I, last time. I think that you said that you would for the extra legroom. Uh, maybe I did, but it, we hadn't really gotten into the weeds about like what comes with that seat, like the extra service and and whatnot. But but I would not. I, I wouldn't from a window to middle for a couple hour flight with all, all that it comes with is extra legroom. Well, that was going to be the crux of our fake fight. So now, we, if we agree on that, what do we do? <laughs> okay. Well, here's here's something that I, I thought about too. What if you have a tight connection and you need to get off the airplane quickly? Oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. it worth the ten minutes? Like you, you you're able to get off early ten minutes earlier. Is that ten minutes going to save you in a tight connection? 
Yeah, possibly. I, I would take a middle seat just to save my connection. Possibly. Or, yeah. It would save. I mean, oh my goodness, being in the back of a 737-900. Yeah. That could it takes be an extra 20 minutes. five minutes. Yeah, it takes 20 minutes to get off the, you know, the last row. Right. No, I'd sit in the front for that. Yeah. In well, let's let's talk about what some of the listeners said. Steve Tao said a middle seat is not an upgrade unless you're upgraded with your partner. No, thanks. <laughs> All right. Good answer. What is, did we get more? Yeah. Reggie said no. Middle seat upgrade is an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Reggie. hundred percent. Greg Peterson said, to me, it depends if I get a seat by myself in the middle of a wide body, I might be able to accept that. But otherwise, and then he put a gif of no, 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 well, no. I was at, okay, Greg, I mean, if you, if you're, if you get upgraded to a middle seat with, did he say no one next to you? He, uh, to Where me, it depends if I get a seat by my, by myself in the middle. Yeah. Right, so that, Greg, that's, that's not no longer a middle yeah, seat. That's, that's, whole <laughs> yeah. that's an IO middle and <laughs> That, that's a an Air New Zealand sky couch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, KQ747 said, if the flight length is long enough, I'd take a business class seat for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. Even Emirates 777 middle seat in business is better than a window in economy if the mm -hmm. flight is 16 hours. Definitely. We talked about that. Yeah, and then Richard said, depends on short or long haul. Long haul upgraded to premium economy with 38 inch seat pitch and a nice recline is probably still worth it. Anything yeah. short domestic, forget it. So it sounds like most of the it depends are kind of on board with yeah. where we where we were. But you know, you'd be surprised. I think uh, on uh, Tyler's podcast, Non Rev Lounge. If you haven't mm -hmm. listened to it, go listen to it. I remember Monique saying that she was on a flight and it was late and she was tired and there was first class available. Right, um, was full, so someone would be sitting next to her. But a wide open economy, so she chose economy because she just wanted to sit in the back not be bothered and just mm -hmm. curl up into a ball and, you know, have her blanket on. So yeah, that's sometimes, sometimes I think I would do that too. You mm -hmm. know, you just want to be left alone. Yeah. Well, especially on a red eye where you're going to be sleeping, you're not going to get much service in first class anyways. So you could either sleep against the window or you mm -hmm. can have a, a row in the back, which I know that's very few and far between, like very rarely are you actually going to get the row in the back, but yeah, these days. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we've got another possible fake fight here, Drew. <laughs> Our friend Tyler sent us a message out of the blue this week. I, I have no idea what brought this up. No context. He just like dropped the grenade in the group text and walked it's away. A random av geek thought while yeah. he's plotting planes, which yeah. he shares, and then we turn into a segment. Yeah. He he said the A220 is a better looking airplane than the 757. That is literally apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, well, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I disagree. I, I think the 220 is a really weird looking airplane. Mm -hmm. I, I, the 757 is one of the best looking it airplanes. Really I, it's a very elegant, very elegant. Plane. Yeah. I would I say wonder what, why he thinks it's a better looking plane because that is a, that is a, I mean, you talked about the customer experience, which is fabulous. Mm hmm. But Doug, that is a weird looking plane. So the way I, when I see an A220, I think about a kid drawing a really bad drawing of an A A320. Like, <laughs> I think it like, looks like a, a a bigger E175. Okay, yeah. Well, it looks like that. It looks like the person like it was made by it was drawn by a kid, and then the kid made the windows too big. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not how the windows are. And the, the cockpit window is way too big. And the, the engines seem way too big for the airplane. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a little cartoon plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I have not flown the A220. But this is what, whenever there's a new plane, sometimes you think it's weird looking, but then it, you get used to it. Mm -hmm. I never had that feeling on the 787. Like when I saw the 787, I thought it looked so proportional. I thought it looked beautiful. But with yeah. this, with the A220, it's going to take time for me to get used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And you may never, you may never get used to it, you know? Well, I'm trying to think, let's think of an airplane that we've never gotten used to, that we always think looks weird. And I really can't, the DC-10, the TriStar, 707, I, I, I was, I got used to all of them and it's like okay looks good i think the a318 looked weird okay. because it was so short and stubby okay i would agree where uh, if you look at it i i mean very few customers actually ordered them i i don't know if there are any still flying in the world the tip of the wing like when you look at it side on the tip of the mm -hmm. wing goes basically all the way back to the end of the airplane and yeah. the engine is almost too far forward that they can't even use the boarding door. I mean, the wing and the engine takes up like the entire length of the airplane. Right. Yeah, it's just a bizarre, bizarre so looking airplane. So stubby. Oh, yeah. the, the the Metro liner. Oh, yeah. That was very odd. Never looking. a good looking I mean, to airplane. the point where, yeah, the Metro liner, for those of the, you don't know, it, it looked like a toothpaste tube with wings. It yeah. was, looked so small. And I'm an av geek. I, that was to the point where I don't think I want to fly on that. Yeah. You know, that it, it looked like it would be so uncomfortable. What about the BAE 146? Oh, I love that plane. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I, it did look <clears throat> a little bit weird, but it was like a lovable weird. Right. Yeah. It looked like um, that's a you great, know, a cute little... great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was, have you flown a 146? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Several. Best passenger experience. It had wide seats, five across for a regional. Yeah, because yeah. they, they're always with express carriers. Right. So when I worked for United Express um, at SFO, that was that was our wide body. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry to yeah, interrupt. Speaking of express carriers, another correction that, that we should have put with the Matt segment, which uh -huh. wasn't really a correction. You were talking about express carriers and yep. you said it's an American express carrier, meaning yes. it's, a, it's a regional for American. And he said to you, their American Express doesn't have an airline. <laughs> so this is where matt is uh you know trying to push my buttons he knows what i meant it's an american express like a express carrier like a commuter carrier uh, yeah a regional oh my yeah. god yeah i mean <laughs> there's always that one guy yeah. <laughs> no but um yeah thanks matt for that for that input doug we're gonna uh we're gonna end with a segment we haven't ended with in a long time doug when is your next trip it's great to be talking about this again. Uh, today is Saturday on Monday morning. I, so for background, I have to do some jump seat rides for my training, which means that I actually fly in the cockpit. I get to go through the whole booking process of how to, how to jump seat. So I'm going to try and make my way out to Newark on Monday. Yeah. And then you and I, we're going to meet up and then we're hopefully going to non-rev back to the West Coast on Tuesday. And that is going to be your first non-rev. Yeah, for well, for, first on under my own employee number and right, and whatever. Yeah, so and this is <laughs> this is where I'm learning the system. Uh, I I had a whole plan in place. I was going to go through the uh, hub in in the middle of the country, 
And I looked last night and because my seniority number, uh, there are already other pilots listed for the jump seat ahead of me, which means I wouldn't get it. So I had to move on to plan two. And I, as you said, you should also have a plan three and four, which I do. I've got other flights and other hubs I can go to. So it's going to be fun. Hopefully, hopefully I end up in, in New York uh, at a decent hour on Monday. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, all right, for the listeners, Doug is going to get broken in this <laughs> this week as far as uh, jump seating and as far as non-revving. And I'm telling you, I mean, we're asking for trouble, right? We're, we are non-revving in the middle of the peak of summer mm-hmm. during crazy loads out of New York, Yep. <laughs> right, with the runway issues. and But we have backups. So our first option is a 767. Mm-hmm. Second option is a 777. And our third option is a 737. Yeah. But they're all, they're all fun. So we're not going to be disappointed. It'll be something good. Here's the thing, though. We're, we're flying on a Tuesday. Tuesday is one of the lowest loads, lowest for business travel. So I, I, th- I think even if we don't end up in business, we might get premium economy. And if not, we'll be in the back, whatever. Like, it's, it's okay. fun. We'll, we'll make it work. So um, what you just heard, everyone, is a beginner non-rev <laughs> <laughs> who thinks everything's going to be fine. And I cannot tell you the the amount of times we're like, oh, wow, there's 20 seats. We're good. You show up. Doug, all it takes is one West Coast flight to cancel. Yeah. Everything going well. Yeah. (laughs) But um, you have club membership. So if we're waiting, you know, we're not going to have, we'll be able to occupy our time. So not only the non-rev, we are going to provide a service for our listeners. You know, we also do like travel stuff Mm because we travel, you know, we don't just, it's not all about airplanes. So Tyler and Monique did like a really good travel guide to Copenhagen, mm-hmm. right? So we have to one up them. So we're going to do an awesome travel guide of Elizabeth, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did I call it this week? The, the Charleston of the North? <laughs> yes. Elizabeth, New Jersey, the gateway to, uh, I don't know. The Manhattan. Uh, Paramus or I don't know those cities. The, yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> The gateway to Hoboken, <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, New Jersey, Charleston of the North, gateway yeah. to Ho- Hoboken. Yeah. You know, <laughs> on the route map, it'll say, you know, welcome aboard your flight to New York City. It should say Elizabeth, New Jersey, because that's yeah. where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you know, we're not going to go to Elizabeth. We are going to Newark itself. And it's a neighborhood called Ironbound. It's a mm-hmm. district in Newark, which actually looks really cool, though. Yeah. So we can walk around lots of uh, Latin restaurants. So, but first you have to get there. So hopefully one of your plans gets you to New York. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to look today. I like I, I could drive myself crazy looking today. I'm just going to wait until tomorrow and try and fi- finalize. I do it in air quotes. Finalize a plan and then finalize three or four backup plans. Okay. Um, I know we have to eventually stop talking, but I, I really have to mention this before we leave. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. And it does. <laughs> You said, this this is just before we started the podcast, and I'm just going to just read this. So, so Doug is talking, Doug is looking at photos with uh, his daughter, Poppy. (laughs) (laughs) And this is an AvGeek father fail, because if she doesn't know this. (laughs) Well, that's why we were looking at pictures. I I was, I'm trying to educate her, but apparently not well enough. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) Doug says. Looking at plane photos with Poppy, she can now identify American, Delta, and United. I asked her about Southwest. She said, 
oh yeah, that's the one with the transforming seat that goes into a bed. (laughs) 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 Maybe you flew with her and she lifted up the armrests and she laid down in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be factual, I guess. (laughs) I I, I just had to mention that. I'm sorry. You're probably going to edit it out, but (laughs) no, it's It's too too good. good. I'll I'll keep it in. (laughs) All right. Well, to our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. And not flying under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So if you follow those, you can be Iron Man. Yeah, Just you can be Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>